Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. All right. Well, I want to start reading in Genesis, and I'm going to we're going to read a Bible story. I thought about telling the Bible story, but then I thought, no, I'm just going to read what the Bible says, and we're going to listen. And I just, just, just listen to this, this story, but this is a true story, of course. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and he said to him, my son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver, and your bow, and go out into the open country and hunt some wild game for me. If you wondered if archery is biblical, it's right there. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, Rebecca, that's his wife, was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. And when Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob. Now, Esau and Jacob were twins, so they were both her sons, but she had a favorite. And she said, look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing, in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully to what I tell you. Go out to the flock, bring me two choice goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you the blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man. You have to remember Isaac was already had gone blind. So he says, my brother Esau is a very hairy man while I I have very smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say and go get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her brother, excuse me, her older son, when she, that she had in the house and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goat skins. Then she handed her son, Jacob, the tasty food and bread she had made. He went to his father and said, my father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing." Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? Oh, the Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, and know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went close to his father. He touched him and said, well, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother, and he proceeded to bless him. You are really my son Esau, he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of the game to eat so that I may... Give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate. And he brought him some wine and he drank. And his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, kiss me. And he went 
to him and he kissed him and Isaac caught the smell of his clothes and he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him, Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence when his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too had prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. And he said to him, my father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac said to him, who are you? He said, well, I am your son, he answered, your firstborn Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him and indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me too, my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Isn't he rightly named Jacob, which means deceiver? This is the second time he's taken advantage of me. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing. Haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered, I have made him lord over you and have made all his relatives his servants and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So that, so what can I possibly do for you? Esau said, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too. Then Esau wept aloud. That story just doesn't make as much sense to you and I. I mean, like, do, do you listen to that and you think, why was it so important to get the blessing?" Did he understand something that we don't? I mean, notice how badly Jacob wanted the blessing, how badly Rebecca wanted the blessing for her favorite son, how badly Esau wanted the blessing, how much uh, stock Isaac put in that blessing. Can you imagine, can anybody imagine anything like that going on in your family, like just, just so that dad would speak a blessing over you? We, we don't recognize that power, but that power is there. So today's message is called the power of blessing. And I want to talk about that. And I want us to think about that, that story and recognize they knew something that we didn't know. And when somebody knows something you don't know, you need to seek it out. <laughs> when I was younger, we used to, to go to the mall and we'd play a prank on everybody there. You'd go stand in the middle of the atrium there and look up and point. And if you looked up and pointed convincingly enough that you were looking at something, you could stop, walk away, and it would take a long, it would, like, sometimes five, ten minutes later, people would still be looking up after looking up at the person who was looking up. They, they, someone comes up and they try to figure out what you're looking at, and someone sees them and tries to figure out what they're looking at, and someone sees them and tries to figure out what they're looking at. Why? Because they understand there's something to know. They must have been looking at that for a reason. I want us to think of that story in that way and recognize they understood that blessing had power. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 says, This day I call heaven and earth as witness against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing 
and cursing. Now choose life so that your children may live. God says, I gave you a choice. You have a choice. It's between life and death. And then he redefines it. It's between blessing and cursing. When we look in in the Old Testament, we see that that it was a a very common uh, communication tool to say something and then rephrase it. To connect those things. He says, life and death and blessing and cursing go together. And then I love, he says, oh, by the way, if you don't know which one to choose, hint, choose life. And we think, oh, of course I choose life. I want to be, you know, alive. That also means choose blessing. Choose blessing instead of cursing. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9 says, Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. And from the east I summon a bird of prey and from the far off land a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, I will bring about. What I have planned, that I will do. God says that he makes known the end from the beginning. That when God looks at a situation, before everything has happened, he speaks that's which will happen. He says, I make known the end from the beginning. And then he says, that which I have said, I will bring about. A blessing is a declaration of God's purpose. When we speak God's will at the beginning of a situation, we are speaking his blessing. It's interesting, in John 5, verse 19, it says, Jesus gave them this answer. Verily, I say to you, the son of can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus didn't just do anything that entered his mind. Jesus said, I only did what my father does. He spoke, but he was careful to speak in line with what God willed. Sometimes we think of, of, of prophecy and, and speaking as just any old thing. Prophecy isn't just saying any old thing. It's aligning with God's word and declaring something the way God intends it to be, not necessarily the way that it currently is. God says that in the beginning, he declares things before 
And then the Bible puts it this way. He guards his word to keep it. He says, what I have said, I will bring about. Sometimes God's plan gets aborted by us. But he has called us to speak God's plan, to bless. 1 Peter 3.9 says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. So that, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. We've heard the paraphrase, you know, that eye for an eye and the whole world is blind. And people talk about, well, the reason that we don't want to pay uh, insult for insult is just because we don't want the downward spiral. But we're not just benefiting the person who isn't Uh, who doesn't have revenge taken on them. The Bible says that when we repay evil with good, we are blessed. It said, so that you may inherit a blessing. And he says, don't repay evil with evil, repay evil with a blessing. A blessing is a declaration of God's purpose for that situation. When I see somebody mistreating, when someone mistreats me, do I curse them? Or do I declare the greater purpose of God for them? Every person, every person, say it with me, Every person has a God's purpose. God has a purpose for everyone. I was just talking to, to a parent of, uh, well, I was going to say a teenager, but they're a little over, they're like 21 now. But they're, they, they grew up in a Christian home. They, they, they were taught all the right things. Then they got a little bit out of the nest, and they decided to question everything. And now they're starting to come back to, 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 to the right conclusions and recognizing some of those things. And, and we were talking about how often people are so, that they're expecting everything to be exactly the way they were told. And when one little thing is confusing, whether they get out there and they, in life, they get out there in life and one part of what they understood doesn't seem to align, oftentimes they reject everything. Think, well, if that part, it doesn't make sense, then maybe all of it doesn't make sense. And then they're, they're seeking, they just throw it all out. But one of those things that happens is people grow up thinking, well, I grew up, you know, I'm, I am good and people who do not behave like me are bad. 
Let me just say this. Everyone was created in God's image. And sometimes in, in, in Christianity, some kids grow up thinking, well, I'm, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to be right. I'm going to act right because that makes me good. And if I wasn't, then I'd be bad like the people who don't. And then they discover somebody who does things that are obviously not right, but they're not a horrible person because they're also kind and generous and thoughtful and helpful. And, and then, then they think, well, those people, read. This, is, this is what the Bible is showing us. We all have God's purpose in us. Whether you are pursuing it or not, and I, I used that, a bit of a rabbit trail that I went on. I hope that the Holy Spirit uses it to help somebody. But because so many people, kids, teenagers, college students, grow up and recognize, well, they aren't all bad. No, they're not. God has put purpose in them. But he has also cautioned us not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. There is, there is a line that, that he says, you know what? Don't. Don't marry someone who doesn't believe right. Not because they're wicked, horrible people. We all have been wicked. We have all sinned. But because God wants to fulfill his purpose in you. Moving along. Psalms. Uh, well, let's go to Isaiah 46. It says, Declare the... And, oh, no, I read that one. Psalms 107.20. There we go. He sent out his word and he healed them. He rescued them from the grave. God uses his word to rescue us, to accomplish it. When God is doing something, the Bible says he uses his word. Isaiah 55, 11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God says that his words will accomplish what he sends them out to do. Most of us as Christians recognize and believe that God's word has power. We remember Genesis And we recognize that it was his word spoken. Let there be light. And there was light. And he spoke. And and creation moved and responded and became. But I want to look at 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful servants of God's grace in its various forms. We were just talking about our gifts last week. And then look what the scripture says next. It says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. You see, God has empowered our mouths with his power. Say it with me. My mouth has the power of God. My mouth has the power of God. When I speak 
and declare a thing from the beginning. I am declaring God's will in that situation. Psalms 149.6 says, May the praise of God be in their mouths and the, a double-edged sword in their hands. Our words, the Bible describes literally as a weapon. Not just a destructive weapon, but think of it as a powerful force to be reckoned with. To break down strongholds of the enemy. We are to focus on what God has spoken and willed for a situation, not what the situation looks like in that moment. When we speak a blessing, we're not declaring what we see. We're declaring what we recognize God wants. Why do you say bless you when someone sneezes? Why not say it before they sneeze? Why? Because a sneeze seems to imply something might be a little out of place. Whether it's just something tickling your nose or whatever. So we speak to a situation that doesn't look like health. We speak God's blessing and health over it. Because the situation doesn't look the way we know God has designed it to be, then we speak his will. We are declaring his will over the situation. Remember the story of Paul and Silas when they were in chains? And instead of speaking about the situation, the Bible says that they praised God. They declared God's will. Jeremiah 17.5 says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes his flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. And then in verse 6 it says, When they get a blessing, they cannot see it. They will inhabit the parched places. Wow. How many of you don't want to get a blessing and then not see it? This, this says, when we're trusting in man, our heart departs from the Lord, and even when we receive a blessing, we don't see it. We are called to walk in God's will. God says, I declare the end from the beginning. I have a plan. I see it, and I declare it. Now, align with it. Because there can be a blessing that you don't see. You don't receive the fruit of it. Why? Because you trusted in man and not in God's declared plan. When God speaks of us, he speaks of the future he wants for us. Have you ever noticed that parents talk differently about their kids than other people's kids? We have kids in sports. 
it's always interesting, you know, sports, is, you, know, you got a bunch of kids doing their best out there and mistakes are made. How many of you recognize? Now, when you are near the parent of the kid who made the mistake, it's always interesting to hear what they say. Oh, I think the sun was in their eyes. They're getting better. They'll get the next one. But when it's not their kid, what was he doing? Why did he, is he falling asleep out there? Why? Because as a parent, we naturally, and hopefully as a good parent, you have the tendency to speak well of your kid. That's the way God is towards us. He speaks well and calls us to align ourselves with what he is saying. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11 says, Now, what am I commanding you? Today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. He says, I'm going to tell you to do something, and I want you to to recognize in advance, I'm warning you, this isn't something that you can't accomplish. This isn't something that's outside of your reach. This isn't something unattainable. Why do you think he said that? Probably because some of us were going to look at that and go, yeah, I don't think that applies to me. I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can attain that. I don't think I can accomplish that. And so he starts out, he says, what I'm commanding you today FYI, it's not too difficult for you, and it's not beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask. That's a powerful statement right there. God says, what I'm going to tell you, it's not up here. I'm not holding it back up in heaven, waiting, like refusing to send it down. He says, it's not up here in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven and get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea and get it and proclaim it to us so we obey it. He says, no, it's not way up in heaven being withheld by me. It's not way on the other side of the sea, some difficult to attain voyage you have to make, a quest that you have to go on in order to bring it to me. He says, no, the word, God's spoken will over you, it is in your mouth, it is, in, it is, near you. It is very near you, it says, it is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. God says, what you're looking for, what you need in order to accomplish what you probably think is out of your reach, isn't up in heaven where you can't get to it. It's not at the end of a quest across an entire sea and back again. He says, actually, it's very close to you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart. So that you may obey it. God's purpose... His word, his truth, is in our heart. Now, that was Deuteronomy 30, verse 11 through 14. We already read the verse that comes a couple of verses later. 
that says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. That's all the same thought process. He says, it's not out there in some distant place. God's will for each and every one of us is not some unattainable distant thing that he's holding back in heaven, waiting. Well, if they'll just get enough stuff in line, maybe I'll release a little bit of their purpose and their future and all the things that I have planned and the blessing that I have. He's not holding back the blessing. He says, the blessing isn't on the other side of a sea that you have to go on a quest to accomplish. He says, no, it is close to you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. And then he says, I've literally put the choice there between death and life, between success and failure, between blessing and cursing, Choose life so that you and your children may live. We, the, the, the answer is so close, we miss it looking in the hard places. Have you ever been looking for something and you're so convinced that you're digging it, you're looking in the bottom of shelves and you're looking everywhere and you're checking the pockets of every pair of pants that you've laundered in the last six months and you're trying to find it? And like, you know, whatever. It's your keys. They turn out to be in the pocket of the pants you're already wearing. Or anybody gone looking for the glasses that are already on their head? That's, that's the picture here. That we go looking, but God says, I have already put the power of life and death in your tongue and in your heart. Speak that blessing. We have a reservoir inside of us. John chapter 17. Jesus is about to leave. And the last thing he says to the disciples, he says in verse 14, he says, I have given them the word and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of this world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them with your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent them, sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, and they too may be truly sanctified. Jesus says, what you did with me, I'm doing with them. Think about that for a second. The blessing of God isn't some deity trick that only works on Jesus. God says, Jesus says, the very thing that you did for me, I am doing for them. Verse 26 says, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I may be 
myself may be in them. He says, I want them to know you. I, di- I didn't put it in my notes, but a little bit earlier in the scripture, he says that they know that I came from you because the words I gave them, they accepted. Another translation says, obeyed. We've given that example before. How many of you remember when I told somebody to stand up, do jumping jacks, turn around, sit back down? Remember that? I said, do that. And if they obeyed, they sat back down. They didn't sit down convinced that my words came from God. But Jesus said when his disciples obeyed his words, they were convinced. What was the difference? He said, go give these breads and loaves to a bunch of people. And Miracles happen. He said, oh, you need to pay the t- your taxes? Go fishing. And the first fish they caught had the money for the, for the tax bill in its mouth. When he would say, go do something, they would obey. And their obedience would release the supernatural. He would say something. And if they would simply trust that it was going to happen, he spoke to a tree and it withered up and died. They recognized that he spoke and reality lined up with what he said. What did he say? The Bible says he spoke what his father told him. You and I have power, especially when we align what we're saying with God's will and God's word. I, I was thinking on something this morning. The kind of Holy Spirit put it in my heart, and I wasn't sure if I was going to get to it today, but I feel like I'm going, to, I'm going to go. How many of you remember the story of Abraham when he was talking with God about um, Sodom and Gomorrah? And he had that really weird conversation where he says, would you save the city if there were 50 people who were righteous? And God says, yes. And then he comes back and he says, well, would you save the city if there were 40? And God says, yes. And then he comes back and says, would you save the city if there were 30? You know, I used to look at that and I thought, is Abraham like trying to pull some sort of scam on God? Like, what was Abraham doing? Why... If he wanted to, why didn't he just ask for 10 to be, what, what was going on? I don't think that Abraham was trying to convince God of what God wanted. Abraham was trying to learn and convince himself of what God wanted. How many of you ever had a kid ask for, like, ask for some money? And then when you said yes quickly, they're like, well, can I have some more? And then like, you know, would you do that? Like they don't, they want to know how far your will extends because they want to align with it, especially if it involves them getting money. Right? Abraham, I believe, recognized I need to be aligned with God will, God's will. I don't know where his will goes. 
And he only dared, you know, he dared to check. Is it, is, it, is it this far? It is? Okay, well, does your will go farther? I used to think he was trying to change God's mind. But now I believe he was trying to learn God's mind. He wanted to know what he could align himself with. Because there is power when we are aligned with God's will. We can align ourselves with God. That is why it is so important to know God's character and to read God's word. Because when something is aligned with God's will and God's word, there is power available to fulfill it. And we release that power with our words, and that is a declaration of blessing. You and I are empowered to bring to pass. The Bible says, when you speak, speak as though you speak the very words of God. What we say matters. If we have a biblical understanding, then we won't be confused when we see why Jacob wanted that blessing so badly. And it's interesting. It was God's desire to bless Isaac's family. But he allowed Isaac and his spoken words to determine where the the blessing would land. It was in Isaac's hands to declare God's will over that situation. And if he would have declared it over Esau, it would have been on Esau. But he declared it over Jacob, and it was on Jacob. Remember the story of Balaam and the, the talking donkey? The talking donkey gets the, the majority of the spotlight because Balak a king who was fighting or attempting to fight against the Israelites heard that Balaam was a powerful prophet and he went to him and he said, I'll give you all this money if you will come and curse my enemies. Well, who were his enemies? The Israelites. And so he calls Balaam to come. And Balaam has been paid to curse the Israelites. But he gets there and you know what? It was not God's will. And Balaam couldn't do it. The Bible says that he stood up there. Balak is behind. He's all excited. He's like, I'm going to see what kind of curse my money has bought. And Balaam gets up and speaks God's will over me. Why? Because a blessing is a declaration of God's purpose. And that was God's purpose. And Balak gets all upset and says, well, maybe if you look at them from a different perspective and brings them to a different place and says, well, can you curse them from over here? And he couldn't. Proverbs 26.2 says, like a fluttering sparrow on a darting or a darting swallow is an undeserved curse does not come to rest. So you, 
when, when you are cursed, when someone tries to curse you, it's like water off a duck's back, as they say. But what did Balaam end up doing? He recognized God's purpose is the only thing that I can speak over them. But he still wanted to earn that money so badly that he counseled Balak. He said, I cannot curse them. Even if I tried to utter the words, it wouldn't have any effect because it's not deserved. But I'll tell you what you can do. I'll tell you how to make them deserving of a curse. And Balak said, what do I do? And he said, well, send your women in to seduce the men because they've been told not to marry into to, to your people and also then have those women tell their newly acquired husbands to worship your false gods. And when the Israelites disobey and intermarry and begin to worship these false gods, then, then you can, you can do that. Then you'll be able to, to fight against them and win. Because they will have disqualified themselves from the protection that's currently over them. Powerful. We declare God's blessing We declare his purpose. He has called us to declare his purpose even over our enemies. Realize that? I I wish I could remember the quote, but it was was made by one of the, the Japanese leaders after the U.S. had dropped the nuclear bomb. And he said, only by making our enemy our friend have we gotten rid of our enemy. That, that understanding that God says, don't repay evil with evil. But when you see someone who is treating you with evil, recognize that is not my purpose for their life. You could declare destruction and doom on them, but that's just going to drive them further from their purpose and probably solidify them as an even starcher, stauncher enemy of yours. But if you can declare blessing, if you can declare purpose, then... You're empowering the supernatural power of God to come in and and influence their life so that they can become what God has purposed for them to be. Your blessing pushes them forward. Galatians. Oh. I think I'll just close. I, I I may get more into this next week. I'm not sure if we'll continue, but... I'm just going to close with, to formulate a blessing, we start with what is the end we want to see? God says he declares the end from the beginning. Find where that aligns with God's purpose and will. 
That's what Abraham was doing. He said, you know what? I don't want that city to be destroyed. So he probed God to discover how far does your will go so that I can align my request with your will. He says, so we discover what the end is we want. We find alignment with God's will and purpose. And then we declare what is needed to make that happen. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you that you love us, that you have purpose for each and every one of us. Lord, I ask that you would make that clear to us. I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would quicken us and remind us to speak in line with those purposes. And when our speech is is in danger of being contrary to that purpose, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would stir in us the recognition of that sabotaging act, Lord, and that we would step back. That we would not say and speak and declare things that are, but we would declare the end from the beginning and declare that which you desire, Lord, and speak blessing. I speak blessing over every person, every family, every home that is represented here, Lord. May your will be done. May forgiveness flow in each household. May peace reign in each household. We rebuke every strategy the enemy uses to come against them, to bring strife, to bring confusion, to bring frustration, to bring anything contrary to the fruits of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're here today and you know that you're forgiven, you recognize that God's purpose and plan for you is eternally with him, and you've already accepted that forgiveness of your sins, and you know that you're right with God, I want to ask you to raise your hand. If you know that you're right with God, that is Awesome. If you saw that and you said, well, I, I, I hope to be right with God. I hope I'm right with God, but I don't know. The Bible tells us we can know. That's, that's the word it uses. It says know that you have salvation. Just saying a few words here in church, that's not salvation. But Romans 10, 9, and 10 describes it this way. It says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. It's not just the words. It's a belief. It's understanding. But if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead, and you are willing to confess, because the Bible says it's not just what's in your heart. It's what's in your heart and your mouth. It needs to be both. We need to confess what we believe. If that's you or if you're watching us today and, and that's you, I want to invite you to make him the Lord of your life.
to follow that, that verse. And then we want to know you and help you walk through growing in that relationship. So with every eye closed just for a moment, if you're here today and you know I need to make that decision, I want to ask you to raise your hand. Nobody's watching. It'll be just me. If you're watching online and that's you, I want to encourage you. We're going we're gonna to speak and declare what that verse says, but also I want you to touch base with us and let us help walk you through growing in your relationship with God. Let's pray. Say, dear God, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and you rose from the dead. I accept your forgiveness. I choose to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If that's you, please, don't just walk away, but connect with us. You can send us a message. You can send us an email. You can send us a uh, private message on whether you're on Facebook or YouTube um, or even put it in the comments and we'll find you. Um, If you're here, come on down front.